Clapping in three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast on the internet that has the science and the screaming to determine what is the single greatest movie of any given year. This year, we're working on 1985, and more specifically, for some reason, the horror of 1985. This is our sixth of eight different horror movies that we are talking about in this year. And I've done them all with my friendish Tompkins. Hi, it's me, friendish Tompkins. Tompkins, we used to be very tight, and then we decided yeah. to watch all these horror movies together. Why would we do that? Uh, I don't know. That's a very good question. When you said, um, I believe you, you said 85 was a banner year for horror. And so I was picturing something where it's like, oh, man, you've got the exorcist. Male. You've got... Uh, male, you've got Rosemary's <laughs> Baby, uh, you know, where it's like, oh, man, hit after hit. These are great. And then I saw the choice of movies and was like, oh, OK, I guess I just, you know, I'm not a horror person. These these must be just ones that, like, pass me by. I'm sure they'll all be amazing. Um, that has not been the case. If If you have a friend that you think that you're too close to. You want to be further apart from them. Uh, watch a bunch of 85 horror movies with them, and you'll grow, you'll grow distant. See, yes. that's how I felt about Tompkins, and that's why I did a really big long con where I convinced uh, uh, this college in Texas to admit him for an MFA program <laughs> so that he would move there. And now yeah. our relationship is better than ever. That prankster that you're hearing right now is Simone Norman, who is going to attempt to take Tompkins down because of her ability to discuss... And think and watch Phenomena. Simone, do you think you're ready for this shit? Um, I definitely did watch Phenomena, and I definitely want to take Tompkins down. So I'm ready, especially because he, he, he bested me last time I was on the show. And I have a oh, lot of I? proof. I have a chip on my shoulder. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't keep track of that kind of stuff. You Can texted me two days ago and said, sure. are you ready to redeem yourself? <laughs> And the answer is maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I, I cannot believe that you lost. Based on my predilection for giving guests points and not giving Tompkins points, it is shocking to me that you lost. So yeah. I, I we will, lost we'll, we'll, we'll make up for that tonight. Why did I lose? I don't know. I think I was switching antidepressants at the time. Yeah. <laughs> you were also being a little stupid. Yeah, I was being dumb. I was being like a dumb bitch, I think, a little bit. And I talked about... Uh, the movie about abortion better than than you. Let's yeah, face it. <laughs> yeah, you're a better feminist, and I, had, I am pro life. I had more insight. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That set our re- that set the podcast record for the amount of times a dude has said, "Oh, let me take this one, Simone." Um, which is basically every question about everything that's ever happened to a woman ever. And Tompkins, let me take it's that one, please. It's for and points. My answer was like, "Die, die." <laughs> That was a movie called Never Rarely Sometimes Maybe, which was about a girl's journey into the darkness, the pits of hell. This week, we watched Phenomena, which is essentially the same movie in plot and tone. Um, before we dig into it, guys, overall thoughts, what did you think of Dario Argento's first English movie, Phenomena? 
He wanted to do a lot. He, I guess, he's like. Which of these nine movies was your favorite? (laughs) Yeah, there were there was so much gratuitous. There, it was it was like several different movies in one. So many different plots mashed together. Um, And also, what was funny about my uh, recording of it or whatever, like the version of it I watched, it would slip into Italian every now and then. (laughs) That's supposed to happen. Okay, that. That's but with weird. no subtitles. But with yes. a- but it was like heavily ADR and in other spots. Classically awful Italian dub job where they, they make weird, no it, attempt to match the voice to the Yeah, mouth. and I mean, I speak Italian, but it was very oh, disconcerting. Uh, oh, you caught me. I don't speak it. I don't know what you just said. Uh, <laughs> no, I do speak Italian, but I didn't understand why it was slipping in and out. Just like with... With no, just, yeah, it just was horrible, <laughs> horribly executed. This this film does like around midway through put you into like an almost like mindfulness meditation kind of because it just throws so much at you and you get so used to being like I'm not gonna bother like trying to come up with an explanation for this. So you're just like taking in visuals without meaning attached to them. Uh, it's, it's, it's good for my depression, I think. But you're only going to be like, you're only going to be sleepy and stupefied for so long before yeah. all of a sudden, uh, this music comes in. That's essentially like if Disneyland had a death metal themed parade and then just starts rocking the balls off the movie. And so now you're, you're not asleep anymore. Yeah. What, what was the name of that band? It was called like Gibson or like Gideon? Goobers. It, it, there Goblin. was like, I, Goblin. Goblin. There, was, there was like Iron Maiden and shit in there or whatever. There's a lot of like Yeah, we had metal. some Goblin. We had some Iron Maiden. And I believe uh, Lemmy made a, a brief appearance. Yeah, there was it. And it just never. What was great about the music, what it was, it was, it was this kind of thrashy, screamy hair metal, like really fantastic. But it would come on in very like slow scenes and there would be no ramp up to like a high energy moment that would match or be fueled by this energetic music it would just be like she's walking down a hall looking disconcerted and then (laughs) and she's (laughs) continuing to walk down the hall looking disconcerted maybe goes and tries a doorknob opens it goes through (laughs) (laughs) continues with this music and then like the scene kind of just keeps going and eventually the music stops but the scene is still going and you're like what what? <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't match any of the action at all. The it emotions are insane. as out of sync as the ADR is. Yeah, yeah. It, makes <laughs> me feel I, it almost felt insane. like because of you know the you know non English speaking people making English films. Some of the time it's in English, some of it's not. It's like all aspects of the movie uh, were done by somebody who did not speak the language of anyone else working on the movie. So it was all close. They were all like. They were all almost working on the same project, but there was clearly a disconnect all the way through. Yeah, yeah. and Jennifer Connelly is like American, and that grounds it a lot. But every single person she interacts with is m- m- like moving their mouth a lot more than they're speaking, and like kind of talking like, "What do you mean you are asleep?" <laughs> <laughs> they like the, no- the intonation is just off, or like she is so weird. This girl. Just, yeah. It none of it sounded like humans speaking to each other. All right, well, uh 
on that note, I sort of want to dive in. Let's. I want to get into the specifics of this movie when we can, because it's hard to talk about in general. There's there's a million things going on, um, and yet in any given minute of the movie, nothing going on all at the same time, which is very interesting. But I don't know. Let's pick something to talk about and do it up next. In 1985, Dario Argento's Phenomena debuted in Italy. It was a massive hit, or a flop, or in between. No one knows because no one has ever looked at or cared about Italian box office records. Six months after its debut, it made its way to the States. But now it was called Creepers. It was 20 minutes shorter, and the scenes were reordered. It wasn't until 2016 that the world received a Blu-ray that had both versions of it. So we were able to watch the whole fucking thing for this show. Phenomena tells the story of Jennifer, played by Jennifer Connelly. A poor little rich girl who gets sent to some Swiss girls' school so her famous dad doesn't have to take care of her. Also, she loves bugs, and bugs love her, and she can control bugs and writes about bugs in her big bug journal. Also, there's a serial killer on the loose. Also, Donald Pleasance is in a wheelchair pushed by a chimp. Taste buds, I ask you this. From our main character, who was bullied because of her love of bugs, to our paraplegic scientist, to our final villain, Argento puts disabled people in all of the leading roles. Is he doing something with this in an interesting way? No. It's always your answer to every question. All right, let's take a break. <laughs> how, how about this? Can you guys talk about that thing in an interesting way? Um, uh, I'm I'm he, very interested, and in, someone be quiet. Uh, I'm very interested yeah, in how. <laughs> uh, We're best friends. It's fine. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested in how he sets up this idea of like, oh, she talks to bugs, she's weird, she's freaky, everyone thinks bugs are ugly, but she's the protagonist and the bugs are going to save her, all that kind of stuff. But then he also constantly uses bugs for horror. So Mm -hmm. the thing he's sort of more overtly saying and then the thing he's actually showing us are very much at odds with each other and those don't ever really get reconciled in a way that I found satisfying, but... Well, I think, I think you can say the same thing about there. the disabled characters, I think, is that I think that he prides... I think he's he's like, look at me. I gave these people that don't usually get a chance to be in movies a chance to be in a movie, like a guy in a wheelchair. And then also there's so many times of like pointing and making fun of him. Like yeah. that final... The, the, the young little... The young man at the end who has a birth defect, the mother of all birth defects, um, that's all for gore too. That's all yeah. to point and look at and laugh, you know? Yeah. And the uh the 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 entomologist is killed in a wheelchair related way. <laughs> He's on his wheelchair lift on the staircase and the killer Similar. uh you know presses the button to stop him in the middle of his descent and and you know kills him on the thing and it's like I I don't it, none of these disabilities um are all of these disabilities in some way like contribute to the demise of that character um or like you know every every character that has like a visible disability is killed in a horrible way um you know the main character she is not killed but she her disability is like i don't know hot <laughs> she's like pretty and well, like she, she's killed visibly. by bullying and i want to point out that the the girls don't make fun of her because of her bug journal uh, at first. It's she sleepwalks and yeah. they fucking take her to town over that she shit. Looks like, great. While you she's slut whore. It. 
sleepwalking everywhere. How dare you bring this into our uh, illustrious girls' school? Yeah. The the scene where um, the wheelchair guy says, uh, God, I really got to, especially. In, what is his name? Like, Let's not call him the wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> Professor John McGregor. Um, <laughs> apologies. Uh, says, well, you know, we both have a disability. Um, it, it smacks of like a high school girl writing a, a creative writing assignment where like a, a, a black high school t- student tells them like, oh, wow. So it's like just as hard for you to be, you know, like a white girl as it is me. I never saw it that way before. Like, I, I just don't think that getting hit by a car and losing the use of your legs and getting hit by a car and learning to speak to bugs are equivalent experiences. We also, wait, did we, did we hear how she gained her powers or did, did I miss that? Was I, I, he just kind of always had it, right? Well, she's always had an affinity for bugs. He sort of implies that getting hit by the car while she is sleepwalking unlocks her like telepathic potential or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, not not the same thing. <laughs> One is okay, arguably that- not a disability at all. It's not necessarily super useful, but her life isn't, you know worse for it or less I mean, she manageable uses it to, she uses it to save her life a couple of times yeah her bug her 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 bug swarms come to her aid i really liked it when she did the scene with the and we can talk about it later when we specifically talk about bugs but i really like the scene where she uses it to scare all the girls at the school yeah um, well we can i don't know how, and, and that's so that's a moment of power you know that's not a moment of like disability in that yeah that's her carry moment um i have no idea how they trained all of those bugs to fly outside of the window like that and the most realistic looking thing those i've were ever seen union bugs <laughs> they were yeah yeah sag after uh sarcophagus flies yeah um are always really notoriously hard to work with and then the the final this little kid at the end uh he seems to be disabled because his mother was raped by a criminal and that is what will cause your birth defect. The, what he has, I looked up, it is a real thing. I did not look it up so hardcore that I remembered what it's called. But uh, this I kid looks much more, much more severe than it looks like the average person who has it. Uh, no, there is a syndrome that the kid has. Uh, the, oh, okay. The movie departs from the hard science in positing got it, got that it, it. non-consensual sex will cause... Uh, here's another chromosomal issues. Here's another question: Can if we're talking about science, can flies eat your face right off? No, <laughs> certainly not right? the way that like you might imagine piranhas doing, or like, how his stripping his face, the like, flesh. His face turns to pudding, and he's just clawing it off his face like disgustingly. Yeah. And then he, and then I like it how when he's underwater, he can just I guess breathe under there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice that? That he's just like kind of living under there for a while. And, his new home. And then grabs her leg or whatever in a big jump scare moment where she thought she's evaded him. And it's like, oh, he's been down there. Yeah. He's breathing. That, that moment is the closest you get to a resolution uh, on the thing I, I mentioned before where you have the, the disgustingness of the flies and their like, and you have this um, other like disabled person or, or whatever. And, and so the flies saving her from him 
you know, it's like the different things are colliding and all that. So there's like something there, but there's, it's like, oh, there's 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 something, right? There's yeah. like almost something, but not quite. We get uh, sort of an establishment in the beginning of the movie where a bug flies into the car that's taken her to the school yeah. and the headmistress has a fucking meltdown. Yeah. Just like wants to pull her face off because there's a bee. And Jennifer Connelly shrieks and says, don't kill it because they're my friends. They're my only friends. And that sort of is along these lines, too, of all of the things that people think are disgusting, she doesn't, you know? Yeah. And is is she the movie? Is is the movie sort of saying you should, you know, think all things are beautiful and, you know, bugs are just as pretty as Jennifer Connelly or whatever. <laughs> but then it's it's all thrown in the trash at the end because the little kid is a fucking actual monster. Like, he is murdering people and... If yeah. you watch him, if you watch him murder someone, then he's going to murder you, and that seems pretty monstrous to me. Yeah. It, so it, was he murdering people in addition to his mom? They were both murdering people. Two murderers. Yeah, the kid was doing the bulk of the murdering. The mom murdered, I think, two people to cover up for the son. Was my reading of it. It's not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get to the Alice in Wonderland of it all. Okay, I, you know, we, I alluded before that it is a girl on a journey going into, and there's there's a lot of stuff here that is similar to that classic story of essentially a girl going through puberty, um, doing the whole Pan's Labyrinth, Coraline, Spirit Away, all of those movies. Dario Argento is on that track. It feels like he wants to do that too, but is he successful at all as just like a puberty allegory? Don't just say no. <laughs> well, <laughs> say something more than that. Thing. Here's the thing. Allegory, no. Puh. I would say I would say that he's pretty on the nose because I do remember when I was 14 falling into a pit of decaying um, corpses uh, with maggots and, um, you know, like just a lot of rotting skulls and I was flailing around and some of the liquid from the bodies and the pool was getting in my mouth and it was really upsetting. And I, um, I kind of didn't recover from that. So I don't, I don't think it's allegorical. I kind of think it's just kind of like, uh, young girls, we've all been there. Yeah, as 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 men watching this, it's it's similar to like when you hear stories of of women talking about like how often they're catcalled, or you see that video of like a woman walking through New York. This is just something that like is an everyday experience for women that that we as men falling into a know. pit of yeah no yeah. falling into a pit of yeah corpses yeah of corpses yeah and it you guys all fall into the same one. How many of no. these pits are there Ryan. on the planet? No, no, Ryan. Ryan. We didn't even I'm just, No, I'm not state. like I'm I'm Ryan, just asking so I can learn. I grew up in New York. Tompkins grew up in in Virginia, so no. <laughs> Obviously. So one per state then? That's what we're talking? <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know about the government and what it does with its pits. Corpse pits. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think that it represents what Daria Argento thinks of as female genitalia, obviously. Like, she made it to the end, and that's a full-grown woman's vagina, right? Well, it's interesting also to note that the woman in the very first scene, the young girl who's decapitated in the very first... She's, like, kind of running through the hills, and then, you know, the murderer chases her, and she gets decapitated, and the head gets flown into the whatever. That is Fiore Argento, his daughter. What? That his girl. His daughter, who he probably Simone. has a lot of guilt about of not taking care of, yeah. which is... 
And you know what? I looked up. Yes, because I looked this up and it was really interesting. Um, that, you know, he's famously, you know, Asia Argento's father. But his other daughter, Fiore, who plays that that opening, the, the girl in the opening scene. The first girl a, who has the classic line of, hello, I'm foreign and I'm lost. Yes. <laughs> So that was actually improvised, and her father was like, "Oh, brilliant, keeping that." <laughs> no, but I did look it up, Simone. and she, she, um, she was born. It, he had a wife, a first wife, who he was uh, divorced from, and they had Fiore together. And his ex-wife is a master glassmaker. So I thought it was interesting that this girl literally falls backwards into <laughs> a giant glass pane in slow motion that shatters her you know face and decapitates her and then she, her head falls through the glass into and not, a waterfall not the only <laughs> girl literal daughter not the only girl that that happens right there's another girl who i think a roommate who yeah. the Puts one who gets the knife through, through the, the mouth the... face through the glass yeah yeah, yeah a lot of fa- a lot of dying in glass i think that Weird. if i'm if Simone. I have Dario Argento on my therapist's couch, um, I'm very interested to dive into all of that with him. If I am watching a movie by Dario Argento, I have to bring a lot to the table to <laughs> get something out of that. Yeah. But, I mean, I do think it's weird, though, that like his daughter seems to be the same age as Jennifer Connelly, and Jennifer Connelly is not... There's no nudity, but there's some... There's some like see-through clothes and pajamas and stuff that she's in a lot of the time. That was weird. And mm. uh, the the one that I kept going back to is they're talking about her famous dad, right? Jennifer Connelly's dad is like a Who's superstar a filmmaker. Yeah. And uh, the roommate's like, "Oh, you know Paul Corvino? Did you ever fuck him?" And Jennifer's <laughs> like, "Stop! It's my dad." She goes. She goes. Paul Carvino is my father. And then... <laughs> and the roommate goes, oh, sorry. The, the craziest <laughs> part in all of it that is Jennifer Connelly is like, uh, it's so, it, like I feel so adult. We're at uh, this school for girls and we're living on our own. We're also adult. Hey, is this baby food? Can I eat your yeah, baby food? Yeah, she eats baby food. <laughs> <laughs> you learn that she's a vegetarian, which is so useful for the rest of the movie. I haven't <laughs> eaten in days. Can I have a bite of this baby food? This baby food? Also, um, how hot did she look after she came out of the maggot corpse pit? She still looked fucking great. Her hair was shiny. She's 15 in this movie, she... Simone. Sorry. Yeah, settle down. Sorry. Oh, my <laughs> settle God. Settle your pit oh my down. God. I didn't she, know that. We got a real Dario like a... Argento on our hands over here. Sorry. I didn't know she was a minor. She's... I can't... I'm canceled. Please cancel me. <laughs> Wait, you just hit your uncancel your own uncancel button? Yeah, hit the cancel button, aka the Tompkins button. <laughs> All right. After that, we gotta take a break. All right, let's do some rush more and then we'll get back to the movie after that. Mount Rushmore! You know what the music means? It's Rushmore time. Mount Rushmore for presidents that we all love dearly to this day. But what if they weren't presidents? What if they were bugs? And I'm not saying what if George Washington was a bug, although that is hilarious to think about if we want to talk about that for a while. I'm saying what if they made a Mount Rushmore dedicated to the four most iconic movie bugs of all time? Do we have any questions? No. You guys are are in a heated competition here. 
So pick wisely. Simone, you're up first. What is the movie bug that has to be on here? Okay, definitely the giant ant that gives, uh, what is his face? The guy who did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Rick Moranis? Rick Moranis. The giant ant that gives Rick Moranis a ride when Rick Moranis is shrunk and chilling in his backyard. Rick Moranis is not shrunk. Rick Rick Moranis Moranis never went on the ant. The kids got shrunk by Rick Moranis. (laughs) Oh, my God. If okay, you're gonna, I watched a movie like, like 20 years ago. If you're going to be on a movie podcast, can you get your shit together about movies and how they work? Jesus fucking Christ. I'm going li- uh, to... What My do I do? Do I... God. I, I'm going to give uh, it to right. you, though. It's a famous, famous ant. Uh, most notable for uh, eating giant handfuls of Oreo cream. That's probably yeah. the best part of the movie. Okay, I got the details wrong, but the spirit remains. The giant ant from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, you ogres. <laughs> All okay, right, you're, your you're on the board. Tompkins, where are we going? Uh, iconic bug. Um, this is class. We've seen, we've seen this bug many, many times. Um, each more iconic than the last. Um, and each time we're just excited to see it again. And we don't feel like we need to just go ahead and skip this part. The speeder from Speeder Man. Oh, I mean, the, the spider. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the other thing, Simone, is I like, know your host, right? Like Tompkins, uh, obviously. Like, Tompkins. And then Tompkins is another one. <laughs> Because you didn't go first, and you got to say that one. So, yep. congratulations. I am a comedian. <laughs> I have never said that I was good at movies or You know what, Simone? We never said it either. All right. All right. Um, can I go? Can, is it my turn? It is your turn, yes. Okay. 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 Um, for me, it is next going to be... Uh, the you know the movie um ants yes <laughs> it's going to be one can you uh, remember the name of this one the main ant do you remember who- <laughs> <laughs> it's the main ant from ants do you remember who played the main ant tompkins woody allen that is correct tompkins it is your turn no. <laughs> <laughs> uh this one's easy um i think that that in order to have a great or let's say an iconic character, we really have to understand what the character wants. And um, in the movie I'm thinking of, it's very clear because what this character wants is sugar water. We are talking about Edgar the Bug Edgar. from Men in Black. Ooh, that's a pretty good one. Um, and I love like bonus points, not literally, but for being able to do the impression of the bug. I'm going to go maybe for now, but it's got a good shot. Simone, do you have anything else? I do. Okay. I could do this all day. (laughs) There's a bug in every Pixar movie, okay? (laughs) In some way. All right, but how about this? In James and the Giant Peach, the big big worm who is eating the peach. (laughs) You know? Now, Simone, I know you don't know the name of this worm. (laughs) No, I don't. Can you name... The name of the kid in the movie? James. Oh. <laughs> it's James, and he has a fat, short ant and a tall, skinny ant, which... The two those are bugs. The two types of ants. <laughs> A-U-N. Sorry. Uh, oh. Okay. A-U-N-T-S. 
I got confused with the wordplay. Uh, okay, so James Bu- James Worm, we'll say. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a maybe. Tompkins, what else? <sighs> Paul Verhoeven. Oh he... man, Tompkins, you are fucking crushing this right now. <laughs> okay, a visionary before to... his time. Uh, this movie has been getting it's really back in the zeitgeist, and uh, really the only thing that it comes down to is uh, which which type of bug. But I, I'm going to say that because we are narrowing it down to a single one, um, the brain bug from Starship Troopers. Tompkins, he's sad. He's scared. He feels being afraid. Ryan has a boner. All right. How about this? My turn. How about this? The the butterfly from Butterfly Effect. Okay. Is there an actual butterfly in that, or do they just uh, name the check post- the concept? It's on the poster. Oh, so it's the main star, then. In fact, it's above the title, right? <laughs> Actually, it, it says butterfly thinking, in. I might be thinking of the moth that's on Jodie Foster's face in Silence of the Lambs. I was going to oh. say, if we're going to posters, you're Damn still... Damn it. Oh, please put me out of my misery. Tompkins wins. <laughs> Tompkins, do you have any more? Uh... Yeah, the fly from the fly. Okay, so Brundlefly, that's a fucking slam dunk right there. Tompkins. (laughs) I'm going to kill myself. And then we're going to go with Starship Troopers as the other one. So Ant, the ant from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids that Rick Moranis did not write on. Uh, Peter Parker's radioactive spider, the Brundlefly, and the brain bug from Starship Troopers. Tompkins, uh, amazing. Just gorgeous showing right there. See, you said we're not getting closer, but I'm uh, at least better. Will, the fans will agree with me that the, the iconic bugs, you may not know the details, but you, <laughs> it, it leaves an impression, of an inaccurate impression, and yeah. you'll remember it. No, yeah, nothing says love more than leaving an inaccurate impression. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about Tompkins' victory in that segment. And we're back. I'm not sure if any of us are going to argue that this movie is scary per se, but what is it then? Like, what do we think the tone is going for if we had to pick some sort of intention from the filmmakers? Yeah. There's definitely a lot of disorientation happening, both in, uh, you know, just the, the kind of incongruities between the the speakers and their speech the incongruities between the action on the screen and the music that's playing the incongruities between the you know or you know just the disorientation of having to watch like six different plots with very large like gratuitous additions just kind of sprinkled in all throughout um and then you know also that she's sleepwalking and is constantly disoriented and just like her own psyche um, in that intro, I said that for the American version, the scenes were just reordered. Is that surprising to you guys, or could you be, can you see like, yeah, no, not that, at all. Yeah, yeah, any order you want. I could, I could totally see this <laughs> just buffet style. On, I could see her this movie opening on just like her flailing about in the body pit and just being like, okay, and then yeah, going from there. 
Open on just, the the chimp pulling a straight razor out of the trash can. Open on black screen with Iron Maiden playing over it. <laughs> open it like any uh, any of the elements in this movie in any combination in any order. Fine by me. I think th- there's a lot of appreciation for this movie, and I, I it, maybe it's one of those movies that like you do have to be on something in order to enjoy. You know, just like stop trying to make sense of it and just roll with it but still i don't think it's entertaining enough to do that no i i think that this it makes sense that people would have nostalgia for this we've talked about that a lot with like other movies that are really like sort of well regarded from this era but have like big time goonies syndrome you know where where it's like if you saw it as a kid you're always gonna love it but if you didn't see it as a kid it's there's nothing for you Mm. and I could totally picture seeing this for the first time as a kid and loving it and being so freaked out because you're like, oh, my God, like there were like maggots actually crawling around on the skull. I've never seen anything so disgusting. And there's stuff that like to your still developing brain is kind of uh, fun and uh, interesting and loopy. As an adult, there are a lot of things in this that like – if you described them to me, I would think that this is a very campy movie, but they seem to be played straight. Like the whole revenge of the monkey thing is very high camp, but it's played as if it's just like, oh yeah, okay, good. Yes, that that makes sense. That resolves this. Um, good. Way, well, way to tie up those loose ends. Let's talk about that because do you guys think that it's, that this was all like done without tongue in cheek. It was all done, you know, like no irony, and that maybe there was something lost in the translation, like in making something, you know, by Italians for English speakers. That there was just something that like didn't cross over. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's hard because when the main character is American speaking you know, with an American accent, her English, and everyone's kind of trying to speak English with her. Like, it's hard because she does ground the movie, like I said before, so much in what's, like, familiar to me as a viewer, as an American viewer. But then everything that surrounds her is bizarre and not, and decidedly, like, not American. Um, Which, I mean, maybe... I mean, the feeling of kind of uh, that's, you know, what this character Jennifer um, kind of goes through going to this boarding school or whatever. But and I mean, I've seen a lot of Italian films. I I minored in uh, Italian studies and I. I oh, kind my of, God. We I, get it. You speak Italian. Uh, I speak Italian. Oh, my God. Sorry. I just slipped into it. Wow. You didn't even <laughs> know that was going to happen. That was oh a gosh. fugue state. <laughs> that was crazy. Someone were you just um, sleepwalking. <laughs> I uh, slept, walked, and got a log of salami, and now I'm uh, munching on it like it's a cup of corn. Uh, oh, fuck, I did it again. Anyway, uh, it, no, I don't think, I, I don't really think this was like a lost in translation thing. Like, when they were speaking Italian for the like brief weird snippets they were, it was, it was very similar dialogue. Like, I don't, I don't know. I would posit that it's lost in translation between subgenres of horror rather than. Oh my language. god, this is intolerable. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. 
Talk, go back to your normal voice, please. That was he awful. He thinks that. <laughs> um, if you, you don't know, I, stop, uh, I will start speaking Italian again. <laughs> yeah, I uh, happened to notice while I was watching this movie a certain uh, penchant for suspense that uh, I. Uh, I think that what happened here is that, yeah, uh, Dario Argento is like, you know, he did Suspiria, which is a better movie and is playing in like a very sort of, um, yeah, like ethereal, you know, it's closer to like Rosemary's Baby, that genre of horror. Like, um, and so then this movie is in 85, which is like slasher time. And it really does feel like a suspense horror director is being Tompkins. unwillingly dragged into making a slasher. And yeah, do you know, mm-hmm. uh, one thing I didn't notice until the second time I watched it was, like, this, it, it's so obvious, and I just missed it because of the rest of the movie. Uh, somebody gets killed, and then a little bit later, the chimp comes up and says, here, Dr. Boss, here's the knife. And we're supposed to think, oh, my God, there's a chimp murderer. But <laughs> it's, the, it's it, it, the whole movie is just so like not played like a whodunit that it didn't even cross my mind. In fact, we're supposed to think about all of these suspects. And then the killer is somebody that we had never heard of until the very end of the movie, which is fine. But that means that you're not a whodunit. Then that means yeah. that you don't have any of the elements then. Wait, wasn't the, wasn't the killer the person from the first scene with the bee? That's one yeah. of the killers. There's two killers in the movie. It's a two killer movie. I'm talking about the kid. We didn't. Oh know- right, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Frau, I- we did meet, and she, you know, she was the one that like there wasn't a lot of suspicion put on. So I guess that does count. But there was no mention of this monster kid. None whatsoever, except like three minutes before we first do, in fact, meet him, where the cop is like. Hey, you were assaulted, right? Do you mind if I touch this scar that's over your breast? Uh, I'm a cop. <laughs> uh, not not good writing for several different reasons. Um, yeah, I I I I think that the language, like as as far as this being like a weird sort of part Italian, part American thing. Some things that are part Italian, part American are great. Mickey Mantle, for instance. Um, I, I don't think that that um, is what's holding this up. I think it's just that Dario Argento, it's, it's the same thing as we talked about in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. It's someone being like, okay, so a slasher has like, there's like a killer, and I guess it's supposed to be sort of like fun and wacky, right? And then, so. it, yeah, whoever he's talking to is like, yeah. And then also, and then Dario Argento's <laughs> like, no, 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 don't tell me anymore. I'm, <laughs> I've already started making it. Yeah. Can't do anything. <laughs> okay. Well, Tom Kids, real quick, I want to talk to you about Suspiria. I saw that you watched it in yes. my weird, creepy ways. <laughs> um, I've never seen it before. Uh, can you tell that's the same director? Like, what? Oh, what yeah. makes Suspiria so much more successful than this movie? Is it just him being him being forced to do these genres? Suspiria, it's it's like one plot line. It does not have this sort of like overcrowded feel to it. It's a lot more stripped down. It's also like a lot more focused on the location because it takes place inside this weird dance school and setting up these, like it has all these like weird overly lush interiors that are sort of inherently creepy. It's playing with stuff like that a lot more. And again, it's like the building up the suspense of like sort of a single 
mystery. Um, I don't think Suspiria is like amazing or anything, but I think it is a successful movie overall, much better than this. Um, yeah, I mean, what you describe sounds like a movie. You know, like, yeah. it's really hard to talk about this movie and have it sound like a movie. But maybe the guy just lost a mile or two off his fastball in between the movies. Yeah, um, I'm done with this topic. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna do genre blast. <laughs> And we're back, and we're here, and we're doing Genre Blast. My name is Ryan, and I am the CEO of a major studio, and I would like to remake all of the films of 1985. And in order to do that, and I have an unlimited budget, and I get to do what I want. I have brought in my two uh, most famous, most iconic, uh, not screenwriters, I don't know if you guys can actually write screenplay, but my, my pitch superstars. Okay, And you guys are going to tell me how you want to remake this 1985 classic film. The problem is that it's already been done in its own genre, so I'm going to spin my wheel of genres, and that will be your pitch, okay? Sounds good. Classic. Yeah, I mean, obviously I've been in the pitch room a lot. This is pretty standard procedure. Yeah, it, this is for like the noobs that are listening. Tomkins, you're a professional Hollywood person, so yeah. <laughs> you know what's up. All right. Uh, first of all, we are going to remake Back to the Future. Okay. But it's going to be a uh, jungle and safari epic. Uh, so how do you guys want to start this one out? Back to the jungle, and it's a tie-in with uh, Jungle to Jungle, the Tim Allen movie. Um, Back to where- Jungle to Jungle is where yep. we're starting? Okay. Yep. So it's both uh, Tim Allen returning to the jungle to find another um, white son who has been raised by locals and uh as he's doing that um the back to the future crew sort of pops in and um you know maybe they uh put some of the local banana peels into the car they love doing that maybe they (sighs) eat some I can sand. tell you you pitched a lot. You pitched a yeah. lot of movies before. <laughs> I, I know we're supposed to be working together, Talk. but I really just want to see what's going to happen next. Yeah, I mean, all Simone brain. is just drooling and nodding enthusiastically <laughs> for all of this. Your average moviegoer. Yeah. Okay. I, Simone, what does this poster look like? This poster is... Um, it's Tim Allen in his uh, like Christmas time Bad Santa outfit but <laughs> cheetah print Simone um, you are not a movie person <laughs> <laughs> I'm still I'm still fucking loving this poster though <laughs> yeah uh, um, it's but it's cheetah print and he's on one of those hoverboards also I'm so sorry Simone <laughs> uh, I hate to interrupt but you just messed up Tim Allen movies and Tompkins like you don't know shit about movies you can't even get your Tim Allen movies straight you can't yeah. even get the Tim Allen movies straight First ants, now this, the two most <laughs> seminal. The two most revered movies yeah. of all time. So it's uh, Tim Allen wearing Billy Bob Thornton's Bad Santa outfit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, what was Tim 
the, the, the Santa, Santa Claus. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So the sleigh um, dispenses okay, hot all right, cocoa, all right, Simone. All right. All right. It's Christopher Lloyd as the conductor of the Bowler Express. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and the the Polar Express, but it goes only to uh, Jungles? The jungle. All right. It's, we it's did going it. over the bridge from Bridge on the River Kwai. Uh, that's a purchase for sure. Next up is Rocky Four. And for those of you who are not movie people, that's the one where uh, we win the Cold War. We fight Russia and we win. And the genre I would like is uh, body horror. Mm. Oh, okay. So Rocky, it's called... Okay, so Rocky is... the. This is the opening scene. He's staring in the mirror and... He's looking at himself and all the scars he's gotten over the years. Uh, you guess, I guess you could call him like kind of a scar face. Uh, and he's looking, I'm just kidding. He's looking in the mirror and he's looking at all the scar, oh, worn face. So he's going, Oh man. Oh. And he starts peeling his cheeks off like pepperonis. Uh, she and- does speak Italian. <laughs> And uh, and he peels him off, and he flings it behind him. And Adrian is there with a pizza, and the and the 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 cheek pepperonis from his skin lands perfectly on the pizza. And she goes, "All right, dinner time." <laughs> Simone, At- you knew two characters from that movie, and one of them yes. didn't even have their name in the title. <laughs> Thing. Yeah, I know. It's because my dad used to do an impression of Rocky. He'd be like, "Oh, Adrian," and I haven't seen the movie. I haven't seen any of the movies. Uh, obviously, I I have not necessarily an alternate pitch. I think that that uh, these two things can coexist. And, and my take, if it's body horror, you have Ivan Drago, who's like, "I must kill you. I'm big Russian. We destroy you." Uh, but he realizes in this version that he is not strong enough to defeat Rocky because Rocky is American. So what does Ivan Drago do? He's going to take Russian experimental drugs mm. in order to become even stronger. And the drugs immediately turn him into psycho freak with bones popping out of his skin and extra limbs and he's going extra limbs yeah and also right as he sort of injects goes to inject the experimental drug to him a fly uh lands on his skin right where he was going to inject the needle and so the needle then goes through the fly into his skin into him and he gets fly material in there so he's half fly that's sort of an original idea i'm also (laughs) and then and then adrian comes in and she goes all right it's dinner time it's time for pizza (laughs) simone you guys you guys made me realize how dario argento pitched this movie because uh (laughs) Tompkins would just say an idea and then get blank looks and then just throw another idea on top until there's finally <laughs> now there's nine ideas and he's been forced to leave the room. <laughs> All right, let's if, do- if we let you make this movie, will you go away? This <laughs> movie just- wouldn't have been made if they hadn't gotten that chimp attached early on. You know that no. they worked on the plot backwards from the chimp. Yeah. The final chimp one got that- a little too attached. The final movie that we're going to remake is Cocoon. Which okay. has been in the news recently because Wilford Brimley just died. Yes. At the ripe age of 52. Uh, and the genre uh, that the wheel told us is animated musical. Okay. 
I am a little bug, and I see the world through many eyes. But hey, then... you think I'll ever be a big bug? Enough. Oh, how would I ever do it? I'm Listen, just a little, kid, you're I'm a, I'm like a little, little worm bug, kind of thing. A and little I have worm, wings. and you'll never fly. Cocoon. Maybe I'll have wings tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'll have wings tomorrow. And that and is so time. <laughs> I've never seen Cocoon. <laughs> okay. I have no idea what it's about. Uh, so then I'm definitely going to buy that one. I'm going to buy all your pitches. That was amazing, guys. Uh, typically, when the drop pad says your guys' name, you stop for a second, and you're startled, and then you go again, unless you guys are belting out songs uh, dedicated to a movie that is not the movie that I said, and then you guys do not miss a beat at all. Yep. Thank you so much. That was Genre Blast. When we come back, more Phenomena. Yeah, we pretty much talked about this movie, but we have one more segment to do, so I'm just going to say this. Music and bugs. Guys, music and bugs. Well, it had both. We've done both. <laughs> well, how about, let me posit this. If you look, if you rewatch the movie thinking about this, were the bugs playing the music the entire time? Was it, was all of the music diegetic or non-diegetic? I Never remember which one's which. the real bugs were the music we made along the way. That's true. In our hearts I and in our souls. Here's something. I like how um, she's constantly finding things that belong to the killer that are just like covered in maggots yeah. as if and the and the entomologist was like, well, of course, like whoever's this this killer is clearly is constantly like rolling around in the filth of the bodies and has just maggots on him at all times and it's getting on his gloves <laughs> it's getting on his bar soap in his bathroom it's getting on his hand towels it's just a problem you run into when you're a serial killer <laughs> that's that's like the worst part of life is looking down at a dirty bar of soap like what am yep. i supposed to do here yeah, yeah that's that, I mean, and that's the that's the that's the crux of the whole disorienting what am I gonna, thing. Get a second bar of soap and give it a good <laughs> to, scrub down to clean the soap off. <laughs> um, I, but I like that. I, I thought that was. I mean, it was bizarre, and it's not how maggots work. Um, but it was cool. I, I I did read on online on the internet uh, that uh, Argento got the idea for this Simone. movie after learning that. Um, <laughs> Insects are sometimes used to solve crimes. And that idea is just funny to me because he clearly took that and ran with it in all nine different directions at once <laughs> and then also forgot that that was what he wanted to do uh, somewhere along the way. But so, yeah, bugs are just all over this. It's perfect because that is an idea that you hear. Like, basically, you you look at what type of bug is currently on the dead body and then you know if it's like how how long it's been dead right because yeah. apparently there's eight different bugs and they take their turns and they wait two weeks so they make sure that all of the last bug is on there and then they go to town and that's the kind of thing where you're like that's so interesting and i want to make a movie about it 
but how these do are I like, get a chimp in there? These, <laughs> these are like these. Are, here's nine half baked ideas. Like it's so interesting, yeah. but like there's not a full one here. Put them all together. Yeah. It's like the M. Night Shyamalan, that weird brief period of his career where he was going to start um, giving other people ideas for movies Ooh. and have them make it. And that, like, what was that elevator movie, which I need to add to Letterboxd, uh, that was on it. Uh, and then he was going to do one more, but that one sucks so bad that they're like, no, thank you. Uh, this kind of feels like this could eventually become nine... M. Night Shyamalan elevator movie quality movies. <laughs> I love the guy. I, like, like just the, the fact that you think that like you have the ability to just like sit at a Starbucks at a table and there's a line of people and they sit down one at a time and he's just like elevator from hell. <laughs> Next. Next one. <laughs> Cash register goes let's, crazy. Next. <laughs> let's move it along, folks. We got a long line today. Um, I, I also think that for the music, it feels like what happened is that Dario Argento knew he was going to make a slasher, and what he wound up watching was just whatever slashers were in theaters, like, as he set out to do this. So he wasn't even watching, like, okay, I'll watch Halloween and I'll watch. He was watching, like... Psycho. He was watching like Friday the 13th part four and five and being like, oh, okay. So they're like goofy and ridiculous with stupid music. And okay, yeah, I can, I can do that. He went out and he saw like seven 1985 horror movies and he was yeah. like, God damn, what a banner year for horror. <laughs> I should do a podcast. All right, let's move on to the speed round. Speed round. I don't have any speed round questions. Let's just move to the awards. <laughs> Tompkins, once again, we have a movie here that was nominated for zero Oscars. Uh, one zero Oscars. But we're going to find a way to give it... It was nominated for ten Oscars? Or two Oscars <laughs> if you're doing binary, I think? Good. What? Uh, so we're going to give it... Good. We're going to give it its own awards right now. And we're going to start with the needle drop moment. Because Simone... one zero was why I... Sorry, go ahead. <clears throat> Simone. Uh, we're gonna... Thank you. We're going to start with a needle drop. What was the single best musical cue of this movie? Okay. But this that's hard because, again, the musical cues didn't in any way match up to what was happening on screen. But I think... Yeah, uh, best best is a word that you can interpret however. Sure. Like, I, 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 I liked the... Um, the I liked the music that was playing when she um, had like first summoned the swarm of flies in uh and showed everyone in her boarding school that was teasing her that she had control psychic powers of insects and the music is like swelling and she's like her hair is blowing and everyone's like oh crap she was not lying about being (laughs) psychic with bugs did we talk about this part like this is the part where everybody stops making fun of her. They know that she's got superpowers. And then she, like, she just says, I, I love you. I love you all. Is she looking past the teenage bullies? Yeah, she's talking to the bugs. Talking to the bugs. She loved a so bug. So she's not, 
she's not saying like even though you guys are bullies i love you as well no fuck those bitches i love flies is what yeah 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 all right so uh fly swarm for simone tompkins what do you have uh, I'm actually going to change this uh, last minute. I had um, Iron Maiden's first appearance, but looking back, I was more impressed by the music that comes on as the lightning bug is guiding her to the serial killer's glove. It starts off with sort of a, an ethereal choir, choral, uh, choiral, um section. Oral. Oral. Quor- oral sex. Coral sex. Uh, and Simone's just ordering off the internet right now. Yeah. Don't mind her. <laughs> oh, sorry. Alexa. Are we so- um, <laughs> give me neck. All right. Uh, yeah. And then this song, as she approaches this glove from about 100 feet away, it seems like, uh, manages to crescendo like eight different times until it's just like, like by the time she touches just the glove, like there's like. Oral. Two separate guitar solos being like overlaid on this track. Yeah, I'm gonna have to give this one to Tompkins. Tompkins. Uh, this is uh, Simone. You brought up the the music builds, but nothing changes. This is the this is the best example. Like, yeah, she just she's walking slowly, and then the music hits, and she continues to walk at that same pace with no editing. It's basically but- just that song acting its ass off while she <laughs> phones it the fuck in. <laughs> American girls. All right, the next one is Marine Corps. This is the best performance by a a, a, a cadaver in water. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah. Tompkins, you're up first. Where are we going? Uh, well, I've heard of duck soup, but human soup? Uh, that's new oh to me. Uh, there's a point where she falls into a pit that apparently everyone who has ever died goes to. Um, they're just bobbing around, they're marinating, and of course, you know that the maggots is all up in this in this fool. Um, she really does a, a, I would say, like an Olympic length race in this mini pool, trying to get out. Uh, just really has some time to marinate uh, in in these uh, various juices. Effluvia. Yeah. What she about the part where she? Yeah, the, she she comes back up from the she comes back up to the surface and spits so much out, and then there's a second where she like raises an eyebrow, shrugs, and then goes back in for more. Yep. <laughs> like, how like, yeah, how good bad. could that be? <laughs> All right, maggot pit, Simone. Where are we going for Marine Corps? Um, I really think for me it's the head of the his daughter, <laughs> um, <laughs> rushing down a rampaging waterfall in the first uh, bit of the movie. It was almost um, romantic. It was like slow motion. The music swelled. Yeah, it's it's the kind of tribute that any girl wishes her father would make <laughs> about her and her decapitated head. You know how like high school yearbooks, you, uh, the parents can buy pages and like write a message. This was that, that was for Fiore <laughs> Argento. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm gonna say Riverhead is the winner Simone. there. Uh, mm. Cringiest moment, Simone. What was the one where you were like, "Oh, '85 was not that long ago." cringiest moment um i think the just utter (laughs) the cringiest moment was definitely eating the baby food um but then and her just being like her just being like yeah my parents left this here for my brother uh and her just being like 
yeah, I'll, I'll try it. I haven't eaten in days. And then, and then this, the, the funniest line to me came after this cringiest moment, which was she's climbing into bed. She just met her roommate and ate her roommate's baby food. Her roommate goes, there's a ser- serial killer on the loose. And, and, and she goes, uh, can we change the subject? <laughs> I really need my rest. It's been a long trip. <laughs> goes to bed. <laughs> the first night I'm in a new school and my roommate's like, there's a serial killer on the loose. Yeah. I truly no one questions. in this area cares that a serial killer has been on the loose for no like one cares years at this point. Kids are disappearing left and right. No one's inquiring about it. And this girl gets there and is just like, "Uh, can we change the subject? (laughs) And that tickled me. I was like, all right. And then it was boring for another hour. And then we got to the good stuff. (laughs) All right. Try to uh, try to beat. I just ate my roommate's baby food. Uh, For cringiest moment. um, I obviously I think it's interesting that um, nothing else in this movie seemed to make uh, Simone cringe. Um, I cringed pretty hard at the reveal of the son um, and the idea that he is both evil and deformed because of the circumstances of his conception. And the fact that after all of this buildup, all of that is played for uh, pure shock uh was was not great for me um but yeah, i it's like why are again we like commentary for on simone rape? that that seems you know no i didn't i cringed at that too and i also didn't like really understand why he was yeah no i was cringing this, too yeah <laughs> <laughs> trying to shoehorn in this like commentary on 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 rape like what what why like it's like the opposite of commentary he has nothing to say yeah. about it he just he thought it might say be about it shocking somehow yeah I mean, that's could, pretty cringy you could see him on the set just being like shit we haven't mentioned rape once in this movie. Somebody say it real quick, and then yeah. there it is. Another cringy thing. Sorry to just like get another turn, but it was the the circle. Ryan, of, Ryan, are you going to uh, allow this? <laughs> the circle, I am. I am. Yes. The circle of fire off off of the boat when she's in the water, and it's just like if this girl hasn't been through enough, she's literally in a pool of human corpses, and then she's trying to escape, and a wall like a ring of fire on this lake ring erupts out of nowhere, and then the kid. Who, the deformed kid who's trying to murder her and her are swimming in and out of these fire rings. And I was like, this is the last th- minute of the movie. I don't want, what are we doing here? Like, ugh. but luckily though, she uh, makes it to safety, makes it back to the shore, gets out of the ring of uh, fire, only to watch every character in the movie stand in a single file line and kill each other one after <laughs> yeah. the other, including the chimp. Including yeah. they the all chimp. waited each, they waited their turn. Uh, okay. Uh, I, yeah, I would have to give it to Tompkins on that one. Yeah, um, I think that's baby right. food. Baby food is of course horrifying, but um, the other one was crazy. Yeah, I'm not going to you try it. So, <laughs> you Tompkins, you had quite the Argento week, so you may be best suited to answer. What is the director's signature moment of this movie? Uh, the first instance of uh, maggots when the head 
the the severed head of Dario Gentor's daughter is uh, on the table infested with maggots um, for two reasons. One, I, I wanted to mention this earlier. There is one scene in Suspiria with lots and lots of maggots in it. And clearly some part of Dario Argento was like, oh man, people loved that. They thought it was so creepy. I think I could do a lot more of that. <laughs> and packed this movie to the brim just buying maggots by the gross um, and really letting the camera linger over them. But uh, the reason that this wins over all the others is that it also has that perfect like auteur director pseudoscience stuff going on at the same time. It's such a like it makes me think of like John Carpenter, the way he has this uh, he has this idea of like, oh, he's like a, a criminal ent- entomologist and he'll know all this and like all that stuff. I Googled it to make sure that idea of like, oh, it's precise and it's the uh, these two week cycles that is not even close to how it works. That is not. No, I, it's just I totally- mean, when you hear when you hear what it is, you're like, that's so interesting. And then you wait one second and you're like, but I bet it's bullshit. Yeah, there's no fucking way. <laughs> yeah. And that's just like something that. um in that sort of like independent horror filmmaker style in the eighties was, you know, they didn't have the internet and it was totally fine to be like, look, I only have like a million dollars. Um, I don't have time to like make sure that this is factually accurate. I just think bugs is cool. Um, let's get them on camera. Simone, what do you got? Director's signature moment. Uh, I think in this movie, the the signature moment is really just any facial expression we get from that chimp who was working. That chimp, the range of expression it, that I I'm blown away. Jennifer Connelly, pretty face swims in the different, you know, effluvia. That chimp was giving me regret. He was giving me uh, grief. He was giving me joy, curiosity. Sounds okay. like it's Inga's signature moment more than it's. It, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I think almost um, feels like there's me, a different award that this. Any t- anytime, Tompkins, <laughs> let me have. You know that you gave an amazing answer, and I have absolutely nothing. And I am have to just talk about one other thing that happened a bunch of times, and it was the fact that a chimp was in the movie, which I'm stuck on clearly. So that's my answer. Did you guys see the the big story from the shooting of this movie? Was that uh, the director? No, was don't tired say that of... yet. Don't say that yet. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I, I will. Uh, I'll give that award to Tompkins. Oh, really? No. (laughs) Damn. Believe it or not. Uh, But, yeah, Simone, your need and desire to win these points is winning me over. So uh, you're starting with pound-for-pound performance. Who, and maybe you just said it, gave the best single performance in this entire movie. I don't get the fucking syllabus ahead of time. All right. So It's only only texted to you and emailed to you and mailed to you. Uh, Yeah. All right. You're right. I will switch my answer from Inga um, I no, would like but you could say, say Inga. It's not like you wasted. Like no, let her, say let her, Let's see where this is going. <laughs> All right. Um, every time, uh, the there's a European actor <laughs> on screen. <laughs> Can I go? <laughs> yeah. All right. Go. 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 Oh my God. Can I go? All right. Let's just like I cede my time to Tompkins, Simone. It's something that you're allowed to say. <laughs> I cede my time to Tompkins. 
I need my cup to talk. <laughs> the time back. I nominate Tanga as Inga um, for all the stuff Simone basically just said. Um, also, you want to talk about method acting. This is we're, we're talking about a vengeful chimp at the end of this movie. So vengeful that it's scouring through, I guess, national park trash cans looking for straight razors until it finally finds one and then goes <laughs> to hunt down the killer of her master. Um, Even though she knows it's wrong. She yes. knows she's not supposed to touch them, but... The vengeance is so lively and like her need for justice is there that she she breaks the rules. I I I promised myself I would never touch a blade again. Um but circumstances have forced my hand. That's a, That's a line good from Inga, Inga impression. Yeah. That's a good um, Inga impression. But yeah, Inga got so into this role that she bit Jennifer Connolly's finger off. During the filming of that scene, yeah. Jennifer Connelly had to go to the hospital and have her finger reattached. And this was halfway through the shoot. And so they filmed the end halfway through. They don't don't actually uh, film movies in the order that you see them in, guys. And so for the back half of the movie shoot, the, the monkey just, or chimp, sorry, whatever it is, I uh, just hated Jennifer Connelly and glared at her the entire time. <laughs> and she was just like freaking out, thinking that the chimp might bite yet another finger off. It's because she, she knew, Inga knew that Jennifer Connelly was going to be top on the bill. She was top on the call sheet. And yeah. Inga wasn't getting her due. Meanwhile, she clearly is a Meisner student. Uh, has, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, it's just like, well, Hollywood just values another pretty face, and uh, Inga Inga recognized that that. Um, that yeah, but I mean, that is that is turning you know real life experience into emotional performance, and you've got to hand it to Inga. She left it I just all think, on that soundstage. I think Inga's a lot like me in that, like, uh, I'll do whatever it takes to get a finger of Jennifer Connelly's inside of me. <laughs> Like when she, when she's eighteen, like for, I'm talking like requiem for a dream. Yeah, right, right, right. Of course, yeah, no. And when I was saying earlier that she looks hot, I meant also adult Jennifer Connelly, not D- this movie. Right. Okay, right. so that's going to go agree. to Tompkins as well. So your awards winners are uh, for Needle Drop. It's uh, Jennifer Connelly walking out to the glove. Marine Corps is. Um, uh, the head of the director's daughter romantically flying through the air into a river. Cr- cringiest moment is uh, having a movie that's all about how disabled people are people too until the end uh, with a deformed kid. Um, director's signature moment is maggots. Lots of maggots. And pound for pound performance is clearly Inga. When we come back, we're going to reveal the winner. and predict- I wonder who it could be. <laughs> I have not hit the Simone button. I mean, Drop Pad has not said Simone in like 45 minutes. So. I know. I, it's okay. I don't say my own name either. I don't deserve it. Uh, we're going to come back to see who won. Actually, I'm not even going to like run the numbers and uh, try to predict how far uh, wow. uh, Phenomena will get in this bracket.
That is our Phenomena show. I'm going to say the last time we ever discussed Phenomena on a episode of Movie of the Year. Um, what do you guys think? I know, Simone, that you haven't seen some of these movies that are in competition, but just in general, how far do we think it's going to make it on the 1985 horror bracket? There are eight in total, right? There, there's eight in total, and I told you earlier that Reanimator is one of them. So. Yes, Reanimator's coming, and what was the other one that you said is coming? Uh, Return of the Living Return Dead. Return of the Living Dead. Okay, so yeah, I think I think it's pretty low, honestly. I think it's I don't know about the worst because like I can't say um, because I haven't seen some of the others you've watched, but. It is, it's pretty bad. I will say, though, that I have, like, affection for it because sometimes when a movie is so absurd, you have just a blast watching it, um, which was that for me. Then again, I also haven't seen six 1985 horror movies in the last, like, however many weeks. It's like, you Brag. Said, I have my threshold, my, 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 um, I, I have more of a capacity to, to to swallow it right now but yeah i think it's it's pretty bad <laughs> but I've, i had fun watching it i think this is exactly middle of the pack this is like the replacement player that you build the model of that sat around um there there's far because it had its moments right better. yeah it had its moments for sure it had its moments and then also in the season was friday the 13th part five which is like I've never seen a worse movie. So yeah, yeah. and it's, also the soundtrack was so cool, like that that made up for a lot. And yeah, you also watched this with other like uh like three or four other people, right, Simone? I watched it with my whole family. I watched it with See, my dad, my boyfriend, my sister, and her boyfriend. Was I think anybody I into it? Enjoyed it more if I'd seen it with a crowd. My Michael, my boyfriend Michael loved the chimp. Obviously, and uh, my dad. Uh, uh, to see his face, <laughs> it was it was classic Mike. And yeah. my dad actually uh, had smoked a little weed before we, uh, which is like not sampled a, a little weed. Yes, he sampled a little weed. That's not common for him, but he. <laughs> so he was kind of. I can't. Well, I could show you because we're over Zoom, but the people at home can't see it. But I'll just say that, that his facial expression was kind of like. <laughs> and just kind of like what is my adult daughter making me watch while i'm high for the first time since the 70s <laughs> so oh man and if you haven't smoked weed since the 70s you're like yeah <laughs> yeah but it was really yes yeah, so it was def- it was fun to watch it with a lot of people you've basically they like- done an entirely different drug oh yeah basically yeah uh, where they like try to talk and have fun, you're like, "Shut up! I have a podcast to do later. I have to concentrate." Everybody, shut the fuck up. Try to remember the name of the aunt whose name is Auntie from Honey I Shrunk the Kids. No, it's not. It's not yes. Auntie. Is it really? Auntie. Did you Google that? There's no way. No. You knew that. The name is Auntie. There's no way you knew that. Nope, I knew it. <laughs> I okay, uh, let's go over uh, our <laughs> score tonight. Uh, I had eight points, and I realized something that uh, when I. Uh, Search for how many points I, I I have. I think that my name pops up more than my actual amount of points. I think I had one or two. Simone, you had sixteen. Okay, fair. Tompkins only had eighteen, and so although Tompkins wins, that was that was a close game. Wait, what? Yeah, sixteen to eighteen is what I have right here. 
I feel like there were a couple spiteful Simones that were just purely to piss Tompkins off, which I am fine with claiming <laughs> as my own. Yeah, I mean, it's like in golf, you know, you, everyone has their handicap. Wow. Okay. Wow. <laughs> cool note to end on. All right. Uh, Simone, thank you so much for uh, coming to the show. Oh, Is there pleasure. anything so that fun. you want to let our audience know about where to find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at um, why Simone Y. That's W H Y Simone W H Y. I'm on Instagram at local honey H U N N Y, and you can watch me on uh, CBS All Access, the show Tuning Out the News, uh, streaming now. And Tompkins, is there anything that you want to plug up Simone's that she did not get to? Ooh, uh, sometimes she retweets me. Check those out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess Sometimes. I also want to plug the concept that um, Timon and I have been great friends for a very long time, and I'm allowed oh God, to yeah. talk to her this way, but you're not. Yeah, not you, no. Ryan, but like, you know, royal you, if you're listening. Uh, be, the royal you, gotcha. you can't say, shut up, Simone. The, yeah. The, but Tompkins. But the royal you, to me, Tompkins, can say. But the royal me, Tompkins, <laughs> tells me to shut up more than he says my name. So, and that's why I love him. It is. It's so weird to hear your real name. Also, I think Tompkins, when you went to say Simone, you accidentally said Timon, and I'm going to start calling you Pumbaa, and that's how I'm going to think of you two from now on. Oh, All right, man, we deserve it. For Timon, for Pumbaa, my name is Ryan. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, Reanimator, guys. It might get good up in this moody '85 horror house. See you then. Bye.